Hello and welcome to the Sense Network podcast. This six-part series was recorded at our National Advice Forum in 2019 and features industry thought leaders and financial advisors with a focus on advisor development. If you'd like to hear more about how Sense can help support your business, get in touch at sense-network.co.uk. For now though, on with the podcast. I'm going to hand over to Abraham next for um, a, a, the, the perfect after-lunch session to wake you up and get you going again. So... Um, um, we're, we're sorry, I'm getting, but, you know, setting expectations. I've been very mean, but um, now I'm going to hand over to Abraham, um, who's uh, going to take our first session uh, this afternoon. Um, and uh, yes, a uh, bit of a get you going session. So right, off the stage. <laughs> Good afternoon. Let's try that again. Good afternoon. It's it's great to be here this afternoon, and um, thank you, and thank you to um, Phil and um, Catherine and the entire network um, for giving me a chance to share some thought with you. Just to warn you, this is going to go completely pear-shaped. And um, the person to blame um, is Phil, because he's the one. He, this whole thing is his, is his idea. So you can have a conversation with him afterwards. Uh, but, but I counted um, a great privilege to share some thought with you. Um, the reason for that goes back to my childhood. Um, growing up, my parents, both of them teachers, impressed upon my young mind that I had three career options. Um, I could be a doctor, a lawyer, or a freaking disgrace to the family. Uh, so I, I chose the, the third option invariably. And, and so every time I get this chance, um, you know, I look back and I think to myself, um, you know, not bad for the guy who wasn't meant to amount to much. <laughs> you know, but, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> All right. So, so, so this morning, I want to, I want to, is it morning? No, it's not. <laughs> um, this afternoon, I want to kind of, um, you know, get you thinking about the direction of travel um, for, for decumulation, right? You know, the direction of travel and how, um, you know, some of, the, some of the ideas that we have, some of the work that we're doing, some of the research out there um, about helping people, our clients, um, enjoy retirement where the money outlives the people. All right, okay, so, so that's kind of um, the premise of my, um, you know, my, my presentation. Now, if it works, um, there's, a, there's a recent paper by the, by the World Economic Forum, um, and basically, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, Is it you or is it me? I don't know. We'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll just. Uh... All right. Okay. So, so, so there, there's this there, there, there's this recent paper um, by the World Economic Forum, and they looked at. Oh, that's it. Uh, all right. All right. Good. Good stuff. And they looked at. Has, has anyone seen this paper? So basically, they looked at um, developed countries around the world, um, including the UK, of course. Um, you know, the US, Japan. And, and they looked at the average shortfall in retirement um, that people are facing. And so they came up with a simple um, conclusion that the average individual left to their own devices um, is on track to outlive 
their retirement savings by, um, you know, by about 10 years, by about a decade, all right? So all around the world, whether that be the UK, we've, we've done a lot of work um, increasingly more so in, in the US, um, there is this global trend that retirement is becoming the single biggest financial issue that people are facing. And the reasons are obvious. I don't need to teach you, um, you know, to sog eggs because you deal with this every day. But to my mind, what that tells me is that as a profession, we have a huge role to play. We have a huge role to play in helping people face retirement with greater confidence. Right? Politicians can do what they can do. Um, you know, one of the reasons why um, this retirement gap is getting wider and wider is, as you know, in the UK, in 2000 and 2000, I don't know, 2005, a couple of years ago, four, four, three years ago, four years ago, George Osborne stood in front of parliament and um, basically said, no one would have to buy an annuity. By do, th those simple words essentially change our pension system from one that is by default a safety first framework to where we are right now, which can best be described as a framework designed to ensure that people screw themselves over. So, so, so there is a problem. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll have you know that you're the antidote. We're sitting in this room. An average person left to their own devices without our help, um, technically speaking, is buggered. <laughs> And so, and so the onus is not on the asset management industry, and frankly, not on the, on the um, you know, insurance on industry. Increasingly, the burden is resting on you because you're the ones who look at people in the face and help them to make sense of what they've got. And so we have a huge responsibility as a profession to make sure that whatever framework that we're applying um, is sound, is robust, is evidence-based, and I'll argue elegantly simple. Um, I, I shouldn't go over this because it's pretty obvious. I was doing some numbers. I, I was just looking at the you know, ONS data. I was looking at FCA data. Today, you know, forget, forget Gen X, right? You know, people who are currently less than the age of you know, 55, right? So forget that. Just look at people between the ages of 55 and 75 in the UK today. Right today, as we speak, there are 13.5 million people in that age range. And I looked at the number of advisors that are available um, in the UK. And by advisors, I included everyone. Right? I know we had this, this bickering going up, going on in the in the profession. I'll say profession. Um, <laughs> right? I know you know people say, oh, there are IFAs, there are networks, there, and I get it. You know, there are SJP, and then there are the devils. <laughs> right, so we have this going on, right? I understand that. But I just essentially said, how many advisors do we have versus how many people um, who need our help, right? 
the ratio today, today, is 1 to 386. For every living, breathing financial advisor, you have 386 people who could benefit from your advice. Now, you know, Rory and I have a banter on, uh, it's more like his part, really, on Twitter, where, you know, he sort of says, oh, how many of these needs advice? I don't care. Everybody could benefit from our knowledge and the guidance that we, we can offer. And so, rather than waiting on some forces to change, I think a key role, a key aspect of of helping as many people as possible will be technology. Making sure that we digitize the decumulation process. This is not easy, by the way. Um, one of the best minds in finance um, is a guy called William Sharp. William Sharp called decumulation Right, this thing, how you convert a part of money that you saved um, over your working life to an income for the rest of your life, it caused decumulation the single hardest, nastiest problem in finance. Mr. Sharp should know because he's a retired professor. Um, you know, he's a prof professor emeritus. Emeritus is what they call you when they don't want you to come in. <laughs> That's what universities do, right? So he's a retired professor at Stanford, a professor of finance. He's got a, um, a Nobel Prize, right, in economics, and he's 84 freaking years old. <laughs> so, so if there is anyone who should know how challenging and how difficult this is, it's Mr. Sharp. I will argue that a lot of the tool set that we have today are not fit for purpose. Traditional cash flow planning is not fit for purpose when it comes to thinking about decumulation and modeling the risks that you confront um, in decumulation. The inflation risk, the longevity risk, and of course, investment risk or sequence risk, which we're, we're not going to talk about, I promise you, we're not going to talk about sequence, because I have talked about sequence risk, um, you know, up to the point where um, I am, I, I, I am um, you know, nauseated, is that the word? You know, I develop nausea just thinking about it. All right, so, so I'm not going to talk about it. But, but traditional cash flow modeling tools are just not fit for purpose when it comes to illustrating that risk. And I am not the only one who thinks that. Um, William Burston has a PhD in philosophy. He's done a lot of work on finance and written several books. Um, he calls traditional cash flow modeling tool retirement calculators from hell. Um, and he says, because they make this erroneous assumption that return is going to be a given amount every year, 5% every year, and this even terrible assumption that inflation is going to be 2% every year or 3% every year. We know the capital market doesn't work that way. It never will. Why are we modeling the world that way? Why are we, you know, um, essentially getting our clients to um, think about the world that way. And so 
as much as I don't like Judge Osborne, um, I think if, you know, he sort of set me on what has become a, a mission for me and a mission for our company, which is, can we digitize retirement income planning? Over the last few years, over the last you know, seven years that I've worked as a consultant in this industry, um, I came to this simple realization, retirement income planning sucks. It's really bad. And so um, I came to the conclusion that a consultant is somebody who tells everybody what they should do, but nobody gives a shit. Frankly, <laughs> all right, and so I decided that I'm not going to do this anymore, and I'm going to put, um, you know, my money where my mouth is, and we're going to build technology to to help solve this challenge. Now, the whole idea, though, is based on what I think is the most robust and research framework on retirement planning. There is 25 years of research on decumulation. This research, I don't know any other topic in finance other than active versus passive that has got as much evidence, as much data, as much paper written on, in, written on it as this simple thing called the Sustainable Withdrawal Rate Framework. Um, this research started in 1994 when a man by the name of Bill Bengen started to, um, you know, read, he, he was a, Bengen was a financial advisor. As, as a matter of fact, Bengen was, um, he, he graduated from MIT, he was an aeronautical engineer, right? right? So, you know, people say, is this rocket science? Well, you know, uh, you know Bengen was an aeronautical engineering, engineer, he was going to join, he was going to join NASA, right? And uh, for whatever reason, he wasn't accepted into the program, so he did the next best thing, which was to become a financial advisor. And Bengen was advising clients um, in the 1990s, and he was reading a lot of these things in the paper where people are saying, well, you know, the U.S. stock market, on average, and that is true, by the way, is return, you know, 9% net inflation. On average, people say this. And um, you'd be shot if you did that today. And, 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 and people were saying, well, you know, if you just you know, have a portfolio of, let's say, a million, and you invested in the US stock market, you could cream up 9%, uh, which is the net return from your, from your portfolio each year, and you never run out of money. And uh, Bengen didn't think that this was you know, this made sense. He was an engineer. He had to test it. And when he published his first paper on the framework, which is now led to what is called the 4% rule, he actually got death threats. He told me, he said to me, I, people threatened me because they, they said, why are you doing this? Um, since Bengen published his first paper, there's been several other papers and research published on, on the framework. Um, you know, my friend Michael Kitsis is in the US has written extensively about it. Dr. David Fow, um, you know, um, Dr. David Blanchett. You know, these people have written extensive, um, you know, work on this framework. But of course, the most important of all this is a book written by yours sincerely <laughs> um, uh, called the Beyond the 4% Rule. The, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, whilst there is um, a huge burden on our shoulder, there's extensive research 
to help us think about this. And I just visualized, you know, I just put that, the, 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 some of the papers on, on the screen just to give you an idea of how the research has evolved um, since 1994. So Bengen wrote the initial um, approach, which he proposed the 4% rule. Um, I have since come to understand um, one thing about the 4% rule, that is that only 4% of people understand it. Um, you know, because people, people, there is so much misconception about it. But Bengen idea, Bengen's idea is that if you look at rolling 30-year periods, um, you know, based on actual investment and inflation return since 1926 in the US, the worst case scenario, the absolute worst case scenario, is that you could take 4% of your initial portfolio, so 40 grand out of a portfolio of a million, then adjust that, withdraw in line with inflation, and that money never runs out over a 30-year period in the absolute worst case scenario. Of course, if you change anything in his underlying assumption, if you change the asset allocation, if you put in fees, different fees, if you change the time horizon, if you change how you adjust that withdrawal for inflation, if you introduce some dynamic withdrawals into the, into the mix, you don't get 4%. Right, you know, uh, and people get hung up on the four percent rule. It drives me nuts. You know, they, they treat it as some universal law. You know, Newton's fourth law of motion. Uh, you know, it's imbrackable, Im imbrackable. That's not what the gentleman was saying. He was just proposing a framework for us as planners to think about the problem that we confront. His, his research was then tested by, what, what, by three professors. They call them the Trinity. And these three professors, interestingly, at a university in the US called the Trinity University, um, they wrote a study. They tested ben Bengen's work about four years later. They concluded that actually it was a robust framework if applied. Bengen went on to actually write um, you know, seven subsequent paper and published a, a book, um, you know, it, 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 all the papers in the Journal of Financial Planning, um, you know, uh, uh, on, on the framework, just expanding the framework. That is what I call the first iteration of the, you know, the, the sustainable withdrawal rate framework. And then since 2000, um, a, a chap by the name of Jonathan Guyton, who is a financial advisor, still runs his own practice today, came up with this rule um, called the Guyton rule. This is just a rule-based way of managing withdrawals. Um, other people have looked at impact of fees, how to adjust for longevity. Um, you know, Professor Wade Fow did a lot of work on international perspective um, under, this, under this framework. And then, so, so since then, there's been more and more. And so in 2017, I essentially, while whilst playing with my Excel, and I will write articles in the industry, uh, and I'll publish it, um, an advisor will say to me, <laughs> that's all very well and good. How do I apply this to my client's unique situation? How do I work out my own, my client's personalized um, withdrawal rate? So, so the journey led us to, I sent the Excel to, to a developer, um, a guy called Nacho who's still with, with us today. Um, and I said, can we take this, which to my mind, it's the brain's of these very, very clever people, can we convert this into a software uh, and into an app 
that advisors can actually use with their clients. And that's how Timeline um, you know, was, was born. And, and, and so the idea is very simple. There's extensive research. There is extensive data on how asset class actually behaves. So rather than making this frankly stupid assumption that investment return is going to be 5% every single year and inflation is going to be 2% every single year. Can we take extensive empirical data that reflects the underlying behavior of asset classes? Can we take inflation? Can we apply fees? Can we take extensive data which is frankly publicly available on longevity? Um, can we blend all of that together to create a robust framework for our clients? It's very simple. It can, you know, the idea is let's create something that is defensible, that, that is based on data, but that is elegantly simple you know, and presented in a way that our clients can understand. All right? Can anything be harder than that? And so that's what we did. The idea is you want to be able to personalize the setting rather than just assuming 50-50 asset allocation, which is what Bengen's idea, um, original 4% rule was based on, can we personalize the asset allocation? Can we personalize the withdrawal rules? There are rules that, you know, like the guiding rules that you can apply to the withdrawal. And, and so can we personalize that for our client? Can we personalize their desire around legacy? What about rebalancing? What about taxes and fees? All of these things, um, you know, can be done very easily. And one of the best ideas that came out of this is once we've done that, can we produce what is called a withdrawal policy statement, which basically agrees with our clients um, how we're going to manage their withdrawal and how we're going to manage the journey going forward. I think withdrawal policy statement is one of the, um, you know, frankly, undervalued um, piece of, of document. Um, it, it, you know, Richard Thaler won the Nobel Prize on this very simple idea. If we want to get people to do difficult things, we increase their chances of doing it if we pre-commit them to it, if we agreed it in advance before shit eats the fans. Right, uh, and this idea has been used in retirement planning. There's a concept called, uh, you know, there's a concept called save more tomorrow, which is used in auto uh, auto enrollment is one of the the the, the um, implications, of that. but it's used in auto auto enrollment plans, which basically enables or, or get employees to commit to saving their future pay rises. Right? If it's in the future, I'll do it. Now, the same idea is used in elections. It's been found that um, you know. Uh, just by getting people to declare their voting intentions, increase their chances of voting by about 30%. In his book, um, you know, Influence, Robert Caldini talks about a, having a pre-commitment device. And I think withdrawal policy statement is a powerful pre-commitment device because we can model a wide range of scenarios set our client expectation based on the worst case scenario, i.e. we plan, we hope for the best, but we actually plan for the worst, and we pre-agree what changes we're going to make in the future, depending on how market condition um, 
uh, turns out. Um, a, a guy by the name of Nick, Nick Murray, who, 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 is, who is a very, very um, you know, respected coach, advisor coach um, in the US, called um, the withdrawal policy statement an insurance against you didn't tell me that this could happen. You put us in these risky things that we didn't understand. And insurance, finally, if there is any such thing, against onboarding crazies. <laughs> so his idea is that if you don't, he says, if you don't have a withdrawal policy statement in, you know, pre-agreed with your client, you don't have a client, you have a complaint in waiting. Um, I'm not sure I'll go that far, but, but that's what he said. And so the idea isn't just about data and you know, bamboozle, bamboozling people with data. The output has to be simple, it has to be elegant, and it presented in a way that client can understand. And one of the ideas that we implemented in the software is we said, well, what are the three things that people understand um, universally, right? First one, traffic light system, yes? You know, green means fine, go. Amber means I'm not sure. Red means, uh, you know, stop, right? So, so we, we brought that into visualization um, in the software. Then we, rather than talking about longevity, we said, can we use battery life? Everybody's got mobile phones. Can we use battery life to illustrate it? Rather than talking about, um, you know, whether the income needs going to be met or, or, or not, can we use facial expression? My, my, my developers, my designers actually came up with, I kid you not, nine different levels of facial expression um, uh, that, 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 that they put into the software. And so this is what it looks like. I mean, this is just an example where I compare, you know, a simple 50-50 portfolio, static withdrawal rate of, um, you know, 3%, um, adjusted for inflation net of fees 2%, and then I compare it with what if we change the asset allocation a little bit, what if we bring dynamic withdrawal into the picture, and how does that change, um, you know, the picture for, for clients? So, so the idea is that, I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, technology is going to transform. It's available right now to transform um, decumulation. Some of the conversations that we're having, some of the stuff that we're doing is we, we kind of have a three, four-step process to this. The first is we want to gather data. Right now, you know, when you want to gather data about client assets, um, the best way to describe it is, am I, am I out of time? Someone's good. Somebody, usually on um, presentation, they drag me out of the thing, like kick, kicking and screaming. Right, right. So, so, so I'll just talk about those four steps. But the, the idea is that we want to gather data. So, so right now, when you want to gather data about the client assets um, you know, within your practice, let's say new clients and things like that, what, what do you do? You're chasing your tails. You're, you know, it, it's such a manual process. God, God forbid any sensible person um, has to go through this, but, but we have to. And some of the stuff, I mean, we did an integration in the US with, um, with a company called um, Morningstar. Morningstar owned this technology um, called By All Account. And through this integration, a financial advisors can pull all of their client data from any financial institution, from any banks, um, retirement plans, workplace plans, um, you know, custodial platforms, Platform with a single press of the button. We did that. It took, I was saying earlier, it took one, developers, one developer three weeks to do that. 
We came to the UK, we're trying to do this, we're chasing our tails, talking to, you know, they're going to kill me, Origo and platforms. These people are completely useless. <laughs> you know, we, we, you know but, but, but look, the technology is already there. So open banking is, is, is an idea that I think, I think um, you know, pension dashboard as a concept is misguided. What we need is open finance. We need to be able to ag aggregate all client assets. The principle is that the, the, the data belongs to the client, not to financial institutions. And so we need a single way, it's called API, application something something interface, <laughs> application programming interface, to, to bring data into software that we use, and then we can create and build a plan and, and model and stress, stress test within the plan. Then we can, someone, someone kicked. <laughs> then we can visualize it, um, you know, using some of the ideas I talked about, then we can put it on autopilot. We can track the portfolio against the plan and provide actionable intelligence to the advisor. And then, of course, the advisor can make choices, agree the plan. My view is that an advisor is a pilot, is not a calculator. And, and technology, I mean, we, we, we are already doing, you know, a, a lot of these things. So I'm not talking about something that's sort of far-fetched. But that's where we need to get to. And that's where, where I think that, you know, you ought to be thinking when you're thinking about decumulation and, and technology within your practice. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm going to wrap it up. So, so we put this, you know, um, in, in, there's a simple guide that I think that you can... Um, benefit from. It's called Will I Run Out of Money? And basically what we've done is we've talked about these ideas, um, but in a really simple version that clients can understand. And the idea, the way we, we've um, created this is that if you want, you can download that. You can get a copy on, on our stand, but you can download this, put your logo on it, and use it in your conversation with clients. Now, do not come to me about getting a past compliance. I don't want to talk to compliance uh, about it. Um, you, you do that. But ladies and gentlemen, that's my... Um, <laughs> that's, that's my um, two pence worth. I'll be sure to put a bit more energy next time. Thank you very much. If you'd like to hear more about how Sense can help support your forward-thinking IFA business, or if you'd like to see what learning resources are available for free, go to sense-network.co.uk.